Insights on the Resurrection from Pastor Ray Bentley. The resurrection is not a reconstruction of exactly this fleshly body. Your new body will not need glasses, contacts. It will never get sick. It will never be weak. You'll never need medication. You will never need to go to the doctor. You are going to feel better than you have ever felt in your entire life for eternity. Spread news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. New and improved, retailers love those words. And it's the same thing you're comfortable with, only better. Often it's really not. But after the resurrection, our bodies will be new and improved, a heavenly version of what we know here and now. And there's so much more Pastor Ray explains today. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20. We're going to be talking a little bit about the resurrection and uh, the hope of going to heaven, spending eternity with the Lord, and getting our our new resurrection bodies. Anybody looking forward to that? Amen. Amen? Oh, man. Well, we're in between now the Palm Sunday and Good Friday in the life and the ministry of Jesus. You can see the title of the message is, Soon We Shall Get In. Um, And I'm going to, we're going to close with a quote from one of my favorite Christian authors, C.S. Lewis. Um, So, uh, Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, it says, So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous, that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. And then they asked him saying, teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? And they answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. But they could not catch him in his words in the presence of the people and they marveled at his answer and kept silent. Spies are sent from the elite uh, crowd. Men were sent from the Sanhedrin. They have returned now to attack Jesus. What they really want is to try to kill him even before Passover. But Jesus said, no, my hour has not yet come. Would it have been okay if Jesus had been put to death maybe a few days before Passover, or would that not have been okay? That wouldn't be okay. That would would break all the types. There was a day, and it was only one day that he could be crucified, and that would be on Passover. So that's why he just kept saying, my hour has not yet come. You cannot trap me yet. So then Jesus says in verse 25 and 26, he said, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. I think it's important to realize that, um, you know, the Roman coin had Caesar's name and image on it. 
Whatever you put your image on, and if you put your name on it, it's yours. You remember being in school when you would have an art project, and then you had to put your name on it, and you created it, and then you come, you make a little presentation or whatever, it's yours. When you put your name on it, you're the one that made it, or did the little creation, the craft, whatever it is. So also now with the government, you know, Jesus is saying, well, look, you know, you're, you're saying, whose is this? What should we do with this money? So Jesus said, well, whose name is on it? Oh, it's got Caesar's name. Whose picture's on it? Oh, it's got Caesar's picture. Well, then give it back to Caesar. If it's his, put his name on it and stamped it and made it, give to Caesar the things where his name and image are. And then he said, give to God the things that are God's. In other words, Jesus now begs the question, where has God put his image? Where has God put his name? Wherever you see the image of God and the name of God, you better give that back to God. Well, what's that? Hello, you and me. We all, if you are a human being and you have a pulse, are made in the image of God. Now, because we're you know, lost, sin has broken fellowship, Jesus desires to come inside of us and put his name uh, as it were back on us. I mean, he made us so we are his, but sin has separated us, but he wants his name in us. And I think it's interesting, I put several scriptures in here about how the Lord wants to put his name upon us. Revelation chapter three, verse 12. Let's read this scripture out loud together. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. How cool is that? How many of you would love to have written on you the name of the savior of the universe, Jesus Christ for all time and eternity? That you're his forever and ever. How awesome. Revelation 14.1, let's read that. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And then in Revelation chapter 22 verse four, this is talking about you know, the millennium and beyond. Let's read that out loud. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Wow, that is, that is just amazing. The name of the Lord, the image of God, uh, that he is with us, in us, and upon us. So let's look at the second story. Verses 27 through 40, they come with another opportunity trying to trap him. It says in verse 27, then some of the Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection came to him and asked him saying, teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies having a wife and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers and the first took a wife and he died without children. And the second took her as a wife, and then he died childless. And then the third took her, and in like manner, the seventh also. I'm beginning to think it was not good luck to be married to this girl, whoever she was. <laughs> and they left no children, and everybody dies. Okay, so it's not a real story. They just kind of made it up hypothetically because they're trying to trap him. And last of all, the woman died also. And therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For all seven had her as wife. 
Jesus answered and said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised when he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered and said, teacher, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not question him anymore. Now this, this whole story will a little bit be lost on us. So I have to explain a little bit of the background, what's going on, so you can appreciate it. Um, the Pharisees were religious Jews. Do, do you realize, and I, I realize I'm generalizing here, um, but even today there are Jewish people who you know, worship God, follow the commandments, and, and are religious uh, in some sense. Well, that's what the Pharisees were 2,000 years ago. They were not interested in politics. They had no political ambition. Um, they basically would, would work with the government as long as you leave us alone and let us follow our religion and our customs and our worship and our ceremonial law. They believed in, in the law, the first five books of the Old Testament written by Moses, and they believed in all of the prophets. They believed, therefore, in, in life after death, so they believed in the resurrection, and they believed in angels. Okay. Now there's the second group of Jews 2,000 years ago, sort of similar to today. The Sadducees um, were the secular Jews. They had a kind of a vague, fuzzy, yeah, maybe God's kind of out there at power or whatever, but uh, we don't really, it's nothing personal. And they were, they were smaller in number, but they were extremely powerful and very influential. In many ways, it was the Sadducees or the secular Jews who were the ruling class 2,000 years ago. Uh, they were willing to collaborate with Rome um, because they were very much into money. They were unwilling to risk losing their wealth. So they, they kind of said, hey, Rome, we could kind of get along with our philosophy. And uh, we don't want anything that will take away our wealth or our comfort or our place. Now, they believed only in the first five books of Moses. And so they, they kind of had a morality you know, they had their own kind of views of right or wrong based on the uh, law of Moses, kind of a moral law, but they, they neither read or believed in the prophets. They did not believe in the resurrection. Pharisees believe in the resurrection. Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. That's why they are sad, you see. I always have to give that cheap little plug. They're very sad, they don't believe in the resurrection. And they don't believe in angels. So for a Sadducee, kind of a secular Jewish guy, kind of a good guy, but definitely into money and building his kingdom here upon the earth, the coming of a Messiah would have been a great disturbance to their way of life. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Pastor Ray's messages reach so many each day, and we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the world. I tuned in from England and was able to witness Daniel Bentley's anointing as pastor. What a legacy Pastor Ray left. Well done in raising up a son such as this. Pastor Daniel is continuing the work the Lord gave Ray decades ago. We watched Daniel preach following the anointing, and there is no doubt whatsoever 
the Lord's hand is on him. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio. If you'd like to write a message, send an email to ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. And so now you you have this situation and, and basically the Sadducees, they said, look, you guys, you religious guys, you believe in all these prophets and these wild characters and they got wild hair and crazy lifestyles. They, they say weird things and they talk about life after death, resurrection, angels. We don't believe in any of that. Now, we'll, if you can show us in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers or Deuteronomy. Now, we, we like Moses. He, he kind of gave us some morality, kind of showed us how to get through life. But we don't find anything of the resurrection in the first five books of the Old Testament. We don't find anything about angels and all this stuff uh, there with Moses. And to that time, no rabbi who was a believer, religious Jew, had been able to break through that veil and, and show them the resurrection through Moses until Jesus. When Jesus came along, he did what no other rabbi in the history of Judaism, going back to Abraham, was able to do. And not only did he show them the resurrection, he talked about angels, and he only used one place, and he used Moses. He didn't even use the prophets. And it it so stunned them that they had to admit to Jesus, whom they did not believe in, they had to admit, you got us. Wow, we never saw that before. And so what Jesus does is he points out that Moses heard, and and this is even better, not only is he quoting Moses, but he's quoting Moses who quotes God. So now God is the one who says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. If their belief system was true, then God should have said, I was the God of Abraham, and I was the God of Isaac, and I was the God of Jacob. But he says, I am the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. And therefore, it was impossible that God could be the God of the dead because of what God had said. So he had them trapped. And he even mentions the angels. He says, you know what? You guys are foolish in that you don't listen to the prophets, number one. Secondly, Moses not only reveals there's a resurrection, Moses is quoting God, and at least you believe in God. So he talks about the resurrection, and he leaves them speechless. And in fact, what's ironic is this is the the week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, where he's going to be crucified, and what? On the third day, he's going to be resurrected from the dead. So, I want to just talk about the resurrection for just a couple of minutes. The resurrection is not, you know, and I am excited. I can hardly wait for the resurrection and get our new bodies and be in heaven. The resurrection is not a reconstruction of exactly this fleshly body. And so... You know, yes, it's going to be a bodily resurrection. But, and it will look like this body. But what this body is made of, atoms that come from the earth, you know, that's exactly what the Bible says in Genesis. God took the dust of the earth and he formed it and breathed into it and man became a living soul. Do you know that there are, and, and you go pick up a handful of dirt, essentially in every handful of dirt, there are 93 elements in it. 
There's a little zinc, a little copper, a little this, a little that. All these minerals. So we are basic, if you take the 93 elements that are in a handful of dirt, and you take the 93 elements that are in a human body, they're identical. And then you add water. We have a lot of water flowing in us. And then the breath of God. We are essentially a bunch of dirt clods that are miraculously walking around, having relationships. It's incredible. Now, but here's the difference. The body that we have compared to the body we're going to have is the difference between, and again, until we get there, we won't fully fathom it, but it's the difference between the seed. You know what a seed is? You plant it into the ground. And God even put, he put sermons in nature. He knew that there were going to be a lot of people that didn't come to Maranatha Chapel. <laughs> and that didn't go to church. Or for that matter, read the Bible. So he planted sermons all throughout nature. And one of them is, you plant a seed in the ground. What happens to the seed? It dies. It cracks open. It, it, it splits in two. And then when the seed falls to the ground, it dies. But then this little green shoot comes out and goes down. And then another shoot begins going up when it breaks the surface of the earth because it's in darkness. It hits the light and this miracle happens. And now a plant grows. Now the plant or the fruit or the flower that grows above is beautiful. If it's a flower, each, you know, look at the zillions of flowers and the colors and the fragrances and the varieties and the beauty of them or the fruits. But when you, but all of that came from the seed. It is one and the same as the seed, but it's totally different from the seed. So don't be overly, you know, concerned. If, if, all, if you went into, uh, you know, you're ready to plant, let's say in the spring, and if you got worried like, oh, I want to pick the pretty seeds. I only want pretty seeds. No, the truth of the matter is that some of the gnarliest, brownest, ugliest uh, looking nothing seeds, it doesn't matter what the seed looks like, what's going to be growing and what's going to break the surface and the flower. It's incredible, the beauty, the variety, the focus. You, you don't go, and they don't show pictures of the seeds. They, sh they might have seeds there, but they show pictures of what the plant or the flower or the fruit's going to be, right? So the good news is, this is only the seed, big deal. It's just a little brown little seed and then it's gonna grow up to be this beautiful, glorious plant. So Jesus' body was the same as his body before and yet it was gloriously different. Jesus could eat food and believe me, that's one of the most thrilling things I find when Jesus' resurrected body, remember the disciples and they throw the nets on the other side, he's making them breakfast, he ate fish with them for breakfast. We get to eat in heaven. Glory, hallelujah. God is into food. I love food. And, and believe me, this, it's, it's going to be incredible in heaven. Um, I also believe in Randy Elkhorn's book, I believe that there's going to be coffee in heaven. I do. Because we're coming back to the earth. And there's coffee here now. And I love coffee. So... Uh, and, and the first thing that happens, okay, the romantic side of the Lord is, is the marriage of the Lamb, but it's not just a marriage, it's a marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible says that the angels are the waiters and they're going to be bringing to us the food of the banquet as the bride of Christ is married to Jesus and all the angels are cheering and watching and the attendants. 
How awesome. And one of the things, we even know one of the things we're going to eat. There's hidden, there's manna that fed the children of Israel in the wilderness. I don't know the whole palate. I don't know what's on all the, you know, the great uh, desserts and things we're going to have. But one thing we're going to get to eat is manna. And so we're going to eat manna uh, pancakes, manna pies, manna, whatever the Lord has for us. So um, now Jesus could eat, but he could also walk through walls. Now this shows that his body was made and his resurrection glorified body was far different uh, even than that body. It was the same, yes, the wounds were there, the recognition is the same, but another place Paul says, this body's made of the earth. This is kind of like our spacesuit. When we go to the moon, you have to have another body for the environment of the moon. This is our body made of the earth for the earth. The new body is made terrestrial or celestial of heavenly atoms, if you will. Heavenly building blocks and is adapted for eternity. Your new body will not need glasses, contacts. It will never get sick. It will never be weak. You'll never, uh, you know, get out of joint Uh, You will never need medication. You will never need to go to the doctor. You are going to feel better than you have ever felt in your entire life for eternity. And all you're going to, and the music is going to go in you and through you. And joy is going to be, sometimes you'll be so happy, you'll fall on the ground. And then when you fall on the ground, you go, oh, I feel so much energy. And you'll jump up and throw your hands up into the air. And we'll be loving one another and worshiping the Lord. And there'll be more and more things for us to do and and create and and work and and do things that are fun. It's like we're going to be retired forever. (laughs) And we'll never, remember when you were a little kid how cool summer was and you wished it could last forever? It's going to be the eternal summer. But there's going to be, we're not going to be sitting on harps or in clouds playing harps and that kind of thing. Unless you want to, then you can. But I leave you with this uh, quote from C.S. Lewis, who preached a sermon called The Weight of Glory in the Church of St. Mary the Virgin, Oxford, June 8th, 1941. And he had a way with words. So I leave you with this. We are to shine as the sun. We are to be given the morning star. I think I begin to see what it means. What more, you may ask, do we want? We do not want merely to see beauty though God knows even that will be bounty enough. We want something else which can hardly be put into words to be united with the beauty we see, to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, and then to become part of it. At present, we are on the outside of that world, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and purity of the morning but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with all the splendors we now see, but the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. And therefore someday, God willing, we shall get in and it shall get in us. It's already in us through Christ Jesus, amen. Pastor Ray Bentley, with insight on what's ahead in our future. Scriptural truth about the resurrection from Luke chapter 20 today on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Soon We Shall Get In. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com.
There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo, three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.